0: Good morning. It's uh, good to be able to communicate with you from the CARIS Centre today as uh, things start to change a little bit as we record here. We're continuing our Reset series and looking to understand what God is saying to us in this season. Peter spoke last week about the discipline of God, how God uses circumstances, both personal and community, national or international to train and develop us. Why? For our profit and that we might step into holiness. Now holiness is a key attribute of the people of God. Holy Spirit loves to dwell amongst the people who don't bring offense. There is this beautiful picture of God saying, I'm gonna train you to become more like my son because in doing so you're gonna be able to bring more of my presence, more of my kingdom rule on the face of the earth, more salvation, more expression of my goodness, see the enemy pushed back, see the works of the enemy destroyed and see my son glorified and my name glorified in all of the earth. Holiness is a key part of the journey. And so disciplining in that is important. Peter used this phrase, physical training enables us to play the game more effectively. Remember his analogy of lifting his feet six inches off the floor in order to train for the rugby match. It's not much fun during it, but afterwards your core strength is increased and you're able to play the game more effectively. Referencing Graham Cook's prophecy from July of last year, we're going to be looking at this concept of holiness and inheritance today. What's our inheritance in God and how does holiness play a part in it? Graham Cook's prophecy, one of the key elements that uh, that he spoke of in that is this, I want you to become my visual aid to all of humanity. To show forth the majesty of the kingdom. Only the bride can receive that form of fullness that comes from the beauty of holiness. These are important concepts to show the rest of the world the beauty and the majesty of the kingdom of God. But we receive it as the bride of Christ, the church being the bride of Christ, this beautiful picture of Jesus being the bridegroom and the church being the bride and this great wedding feast that we're approaching as God wraps up time. Only the bride can receive the fullness, the indwelt fullness of Christ that comes from the beauty of holiness. And we're going to explore that this morning It's part of our inheritance to be able to display the full glory of God's kingdom and the beauty of holiness to the world. I'm going to be reading through chapter 12 verses 12 through to 25 as we explore some of these ideas. Carrying on from this idea of discipline in verse 11 of chapter 12 we hit verse 12. Therefore Okay, God's disciplining us. We could get tired under it. We could find it difficult. We could ask questions about what is it that is growing in us and forming in us. He says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that the lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. So collectively, let's not be downtrodden. Let's not be negative under the difficulties and challenges that it presents, but actually let's lift up these weak hands. Let's strengthen the weak knees and make our path straight. Because if we all walk around like this, oh, I can't cope with this, this is a disaster, this is terrible, then actually all we're going to develop in the people around us is an increased sense of despondency and negativity and weakness and powerlessness and all of that that comes with it so the writer's saying look if you're enduring discipline strengthen yourself and strengthen yourself in the Lord and we're going to come on to that in a moment make straight paths for your feet when you strengthen those weak knees I was running the other day and my knees started wobbling and I I took a turn to run the next length and my kind of leg gave out and I was like, oh, you know, and then I couldn't run a straight line because my legs were so wobbly because the muscles were so fatigued that I was kind of leaning and meandering. And actually making something strong and enabling us to run straight is really critical. And you've often seen in films where a group of people might get around somebody who's struggling, who's got weakness, whose legs are giving out. great example is uh, Roger Bannister, isn't it, in running the, the four-minute mile or beating the four minutes. And everybody getting alongside and cheering and strengthening and at the end gathering round him because his legs are so wobbly and he can barely move. There is this idea in scripture of making things straight by applying and focusing our eyes on God. Simple, bring it to the king. If you've got something that's difficult and troublesome and wearing you down, bring it to the king. Bring it to the king and bring it to the king. Approach the throne of grace with confidence, the writer of Hebrews continues. So this idea of straight paths, don't confound it with a whole load of complexities bring it to the king, laid at his feet, trust his grace. Strive for everyone, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. There is this reality, isn't there, that if we walk in a license to do whatever we want and live as we want without a proper understanding of the price that brought grace into our lives in the first place, We're unlikely to be walking and encountering God on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. We're not going to inherit some of the relationship with God that he expects us to have. And indeed, if that is pursued and our lives don't bear fruit in line with repentance and change, then we have to ask the question about whether we've ever made Jesus Lord of our lives in the first place. So there is this opportunity to draw near and be strengthened. And for us to strengthen one another and make strong that which is weak. To strive for peace with everyone. It's interesting, isn't it, that when pressure comes in a difficult situation or circumstance, some of our problem behaviours can rise to the fore. Impatience, unkindness, harsh words, temper, frustration, anger. All of these things can bubble up from deep within us and we go, whoa, Where did that come from? I didn't mean it. But actually that's part of the training of God in forming our righteousness. Putting us sometimes in a pressure cooker to see what bubbles up, what comes out, to reveal what is hidden in darkness, shine a light on it, create an opportunity for it to become resolved. See to it in verse 14 see to it, 15, sorry, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? Don't fail to obtain the grace of God. Grace is this divine influence upon the human heart. And as we run this race with God, what we want is to keep pace with the movement of God's grace, his divine grace on our lives. We want to keep in step with Holy Spirit. We want to maintain a soft and remain soft to his provocation about either our way of thinking or behaving and being. It's this influence on the heart, this divine grace that enabled us to take hold of the message of salvation in the first place. And so the writer here is saying, look, make sure no one fails to obtain it and walk in it. It was by grace that you were saved originally, and you're going to need his divine grace to keep on running the race and pursue God in the fullness. So don't let it come down to your striving and "Ah, I've got to do it. You've got to get that path straight. That path straight into the most holy place is a pathway of grace. And that's where you need to head. Keep it simple. I need to come back to you, Father. I need to come back to you, Lord. There's this, that or the other that's going on in life. And I want you to resolve it either in me or around me. If we go on into verse 15. Make sure that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, by which many become defiled. So there's this idea that if we are graceless, if we're not walking in step with the Spirit, and that there are other things that are going on that bang into each other and cause problems and hurt, and there's bitterness and trouble because of the external pressures, then actually loads of people are going to become defiled by that. They're going to copy negative behaviours, wrong behaviours, wrong thinking, and it all becomes a right old mess. So there's a key expression there of how we're to be together and how we're to be with God personally. Verse 16 goes on to say this. Ensure that no one is sexually immoral. Well, that's quite clear plain and obvious right we do understand that we are to be holy that what we see with the eye what we think with the mind what we speak with the tongue what we carry in our heart is important to God that's the purpose of Christ's redemption his work on the cross is to cleanse us and make us whole And so while we've been made a new creation in Christ, there is this idea that the thinking part of us needs to be renewed. The writer to Romans, Paul, says in Romans 12, you know, renew your mind, renew your thinking with the word of God. And it's what we need to do to realign how we think and what we believe about ourselves and about others around us. If we're going to walk in holiness, then we're going to see a greater relationship and strength of relationship with Holy Spirit. If we walk in sexual immorality, we're going to find that that relationship is massively subdued and that we are lacking in assurance, we're lacking in faith, we're lacking in confidence to approach that throne of grace and everything starts to come down and narrow our thinking and cause us to become defiled in our thinking about God ourselves and others so what do we do well we bring it out into the light we walk in freedom we walk in reality of life and we say to our people that are around us that we trust I've got a problem I need your help and that could be a problem of thinking that could be a problem of doing that could be a problem of speaking And whatever those things that might cause offence to Holy Spirit, he wants to root them out so that they're dealt with, so we can walk in our identity as children of God in freedom. That's his desire for us to no longer be slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. And in his kingdom, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit is the expression of it. So we really don't want to be stuck down a dead-end alley of sin that's entangling us and causing us problems. Now, here's the bit I'd like us to think about today particularly. Verse 16 of chapter 12 of Hebrews. See to it that no one is unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Now, a meal isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. Food, God created food. He knows we need it. We eat it. We enjoy it. And we can enjoy food greater than just our need to satisfy our hunger and grow We can enjoy the flavors and the amazing textures and aromas of the amazing abundance that god has created on this planet so food the meal itself isn't the problem it's interesting isn't it in this lockdown season what we've been removed from there's a whole raft of things that we haven't been able to access good things great things that are real blessings You might enjoy a pint down the pub with friends. You might enjoy going to a wine bar. You might love the theatre or the cinema. You might like hanging out in nightclubs. Whatever these different situations are, they in and of themselves aren't necessarily wrong. But they've been withdrawn in this season. Entertainment has been withdrawn and reduced and curtailed significantly. Now I want to have an ear to hear what my father is saying in that situation. What's he saying to me about the time and attention that I give to the entertainment of my soul as opposed to the pushing in and taking hold of him and my inheritance in him. It's a personal challenge to me. How long do I spend watching movies Versus how long do I spend in prayer, reading his word, worshipping him, speaking to others about him, engaging in community life, in love and service, etc. What's my focus and what's my safe place? Where do I go when I want to comfort my soul? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Our first love, that that point of desire. What are we about and who are we for? Absolutely, fundamentally in the core of us. And God wants to speak into that today. Now, Esau gave up something that was really quite significant. He gave up that lineage of blessing that God was bringing to him that actually meant that he was in the line of the coming Christ who would be the one to save humanity from their sins. God had given the promise to Abraham. He'd given the past that promise on to Isaac, and Isaac was now ready to give it to Esau. But through the cunning of Jacob and a providential twist of the scenario, Esau sells it for a bowl of food. He meets his immediate need but gives away what he would otherwise have inherited. And that inheritance would have been enormous not only in the spiritual lineage of Jesus but also in terms of his family being under the blessing of God as the firstborn son of Isaac, receiving that blessing of God on his household in his cattle on his employees on his family line it's a huge thing that he gave away and we're told here in Hebrews that he sought that to be resolved with many tears but there was no chance to repent it was a done deal Isaac could only give away the blessing once now how do we apply that into our everyday, into our own life situations what do I do with that Well, let's have a look for a minute at what the writer of Hebrews says is our inheritance and what we've come to. He carries on in verse 18. You've not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire, darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given, which was this. Even if a beast touches the mountain, it must be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying a sight was it that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But instead of that picture of Mount Sinai and the fire of God all consuming on them, the writer says, this is what you've come to. This is your inheritance. You've been given keys to the kingdom. This is what you've come to. You've come to Mount Zion. You've come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. Let's just stop there for a moment. See, the writer here sort of looks at the difference between the voice of God on Mount Sinai, which filled everybody with fear, to this idea that now, as children of God, you've come to the city of the living God and you've come where he speaks, you've been called up in salvation into his presence. That's where you reside. Paul writes to Ephesians, says you've been seated in heavenly realms. This is your identity. This is your inheritance. This is where he wants you to live life From, from this identity of where you are a citizen of into the world. You are a citizen of heaven with all the rights and responsibilities that come from that citizenship. And you are coming to the city of Jerusalem, to Mount Zion. Where the rule and reign and presence of God brings peace and joy and harmony and righteousness and the works of God. That's where you live from. The writer is clear about this. He encourages us to get hold of this in our thinking. This is part of your nationality now in the nation of God, the citizens of heaven innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Let's explore those for a moment. You see the psalmist writes that Angels are ministering spirits like flames that minister to the children of God, that minister to us, carrying the command and the authority of God to us to be enacted on God's behalf. And that we are not to command angels, but we are to follow in God's will, to recognize what God's authority is saying in a situation and in agreement with him, pray and proclaim the kingdom come into situation after situation. Because where we live from is the city of the living God. That's our citizenship. Our passport has been changed. We're no longer part of the kingdom of darkness. We're part of the kingdom of God. And it's therein that we, and therefrom, that we live our lives. So angels are there in festal gathering, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Jesus references this. He says, if it was, if it, you know, I could command legions of angels right now. If it was the Father's will. But I'm not going to. But I'm going to give myself to death on the cross. Jesus knew the heavenly realm. He knew what was imminent, what was present for him if he wanted to access it but he chose not to in obedience to the Father. Paul writes that he had, and speaks of himself in the third person, he says, I know a man who was caught up in the heavenly realms. But he goes on, he doesn't want to boast. But there's this ever-present reality of the heavenly realm rule and reign of God. And when Jesus says the kingdom of God is in you, he expects to see that heavenly realm, rule and reign, be expressed in you and through you into the earth. This is our inheritance to walk in intimacy with God, to express his kingdom rule and his authority and his reign on the earth. We come to the festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn. We've had that in chapter 11, the list of those by faith by faith by faith all those different characters from the old testament and all those who have preceded us in faith in jesus christ to god the judge of all now at this point we might want to step back and and think is he referring back to that mountain in sinai that that purifying fire that was falling upon it but actually what we have here is god the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect why and to jesus the mediator of a new covenant it's this mediated covenant this is who we come to it's where we live from we live from jesus the mediator of a new covenant that enables us to stand before a righteous god approach that throne of grace and take hold of him and live from that place recognizing our inheritance recognizing who we are and who we've now been enabled to be because we are co-heirs with christ you see jesus blood speaks of a better covenant his blood is one of redemption he's bought us at a price it's something that he works and does for me it's his grace a massive grace gift And his blood speaks of that redemption of the lost. Whereas Cain and Abel, well Abel's blood just speaks of revenge and condemnation for Cain because of what he'd done. It's a better covenant. It's a covenant of life and breath to us. And verse 25 says this, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. We're going to explore a little bit more next week with Kwasi about how we serve the living God and how we go for him. But today I want us to to take a moment to reflect on what is our inheritance? What do we think we live this life from? Do we live this life from our everyday normal humdrum routine? Do we live it from the house that you live in? Do we live it from the workplace or the situation that we find ourselves in or the country we're in? The writer of Hebrews says that this isn't where we live from. We live from the rule and reign of God. That's our inheritance. That's our identity. We come into Mount Zion where God is, where God dwells, in righteous justice. But we're not condemned because Jesus Christ is there as our mediator and his blood speaks of redemption and sanctification and healing. And so the writer here is putting this picture together saying, look, strengthen yourselves in whatever situation of discipline you're experiencing. Whatever you've had to let go of or aren't perhaps enjoying. Strengthen yourselves. Make strong that which is weak. Encourage one another. Don't let division come up and cause a problem amongst you when you're under pressure. But instead, make strong that which weak. And where do you make it strong from? You make it strong from the heavenly realm. We understand where we live from so we get heaven's perspective on what's going on on earth rather than earthbound perspective that looks up to heaven and says would you please give me some understanding or help me because I don't know where I've completely lost nothing makes any sense to me God wants us to give us that heavenly perspective a part of our journeying into experiencing that is by offering lives of holiness to God because as our lives become purified by the inner work of grace and the power of Holy Spirit we find that we're able to live out more and more his kingdom rule and reign on the earth our, our person He's able to take more on of the glory and weight of Holy Spirit. And we can express that more clearly and more uh, purely to the rest of the world. So I want to leave you with this thought. Our inheritance in Christ is to understand who we now are as children of God and the reality of the place that we live from that is described by the writer here in hebrews if we can get that into our thinking and into our understanding recognize that we want with the writer of the psalms to ask god to cleanse us and move us to be pure to allow that movement of divine grace in our hearts to identify areas we need to resolve but first and foremost put that grace that won us in the first place that love that won us in the first place front and central if we can have him front and central in our lives if he's our go-to place our straight path then we will find that our desire for other entertainments that satisfy our souls will pale into comparison with spending time with him living for him and being excited by the adventure with him bless you let's pray as we close father god i thank you for what the writer of hebrews has spoken to us and i ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear where we live from and what is our inheritance. Enable us to take hold of your kingdom, rule and reign. Enable us to enter in through that narrow way into the streets of your kingdom. Enable us to live from heaven to earth. From the city of the living God. And bring your rule and reign first in ourselves and then into the context within which we find ourselves, wherever that may be. And let your love be known. Let your name and renown spread across the earth. Be glorified in us. Amen. We're going to finish there a slightly longer message than normal, and I hope that it's been of benefit to you. We're gonna go to the uh, coffee connection calls now on Zoom. So there's one for coffee, there's one if you're a visitor, and there's another for prayer.